Hello there. You're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We'll also be doing a grab bag for the month of January, better known in the movie business as Dumpuary. And a few of the movies and TV we'll be chatting about are Saltburn, All of Us Strangers, and a very special WWE Royal Rumble rant from a very rageful Mr. Ryan Hill, who's going to ramble on for us. Rah! start out with some news sadly we have to once again report on the passing of a great acting icon carl weathers has passed away at 76 of course being known for being in the rocky movies as apollo creed being in predator more recently being in the mandalorian i'm sure a lot of people were exposed to him through that um happy gilmore so very sad that he has passed away again 76 years old just a shame. I feel like this is happening very often. Like this past year, like especially the end of like 2023, it just felt like every other day it was like a surprise, like announcement of another major actor passing away. So at a su- like, surprisingly that. young age, like it, it's not like these are actors who are in their late 80s or 90s. These are like late 60s and early 70s kind of actors, which right. is. Truly tragic. I mean, Carl Weathers lived a full life, of course, and I'm sure it was wonderful, but 76 still feels young. Very true. I will remember, I think my favorite role of his, uh, he, in Arrested Development, he plays himself as an acting coach for, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh my God, David Cross's character, Tobias. He mm-hmm. plays his acting coach, and the whole time he's just like, scamming the character as like a, a fake version of Carl Weathers, just like giving, getting him to give him money and then just telling him fake advice. And all his advice is just about making really good stew. Like the, the joke is that Carl Weathers is an out of work actor and that he just needs to make money because he's poor. It's, it's He's just so good in that role. He's so funny. It's one of the funniest bits in the show that keeps going. It lasts for like three seasons. He's just there and he shows up at their parties and he's just like eating their food and drinking their drinks. And then he'll just like say something and leave. It's really, really good. And uh, I just, I'll miss Carl Weathers. I think he was great. Absolutely. For other news, I don't know if you were able to catch this yet. The Avatar, Netflix's live action adaptation. Did you see the full trailer? I saw the, the teaser, teaser trailer. trailer. Were you able to see that? Okay, not the full saw trailer. The teaser trailer. So we got to see a bit more of it. Um, which there were some parts that I was like, okay, like we're in this. I really like it, dig it. Uh, they were able to have... You know, the, the comedy aspect, you know, in the intro to the show where Aang is on the little air ball and then he like smashes into mm-hmm. the statue. They had that. I saw in their that. Live yeah. action, so that was great. Um, there were some iffy moments with the CGI of the, uh, the you know, elements clashing against each other. Yeah. But for the most part, I do think. I mean, it's a hard concept. Really- it's a hard concept to animate it to make it look real it's easy to animate it and make it very larger than life and dramatic like in the cartoon but to animate it and make it blend with real world elements to make it look like an actual aspect of the real world to make fire and water battle in such a way that looks realistic it must be a 
very big challenge. That has to be really hard. And honestly, you just need to stretch the limits of what is actually possible in real world. Like you have to, you have to make it a little bit. It has to feel a little odd that it's doing that because otherwise, if you made actually, if you made it look like fire and water being thrown at each other, it just would be water putting out fire. So you kind of have to stretch the limits of what is real to make the CGI work and make it dramatic. You got to kind of go beyond what is real in something that is supposed to look real. So it's a hard line to toe. For sure. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the yay or nay segment. Bringing this back. We've got a bunch of uh, small little pieces of news here. So Dylan, we're going to get to know whether you are on board for it or you don't care. So, yeah or nay, mm-hmm. to Brad Pitt, starring mm-hmm. in Tarantino's last movie called The Movie Critic. They are reuniting. That's going to be a big yay. I really like every time, every time, both times, Brad Pitt has been in a Tarantino movie. Has been absolutely fantastic. Of course, Glorious Bastards is iconic. The deadpan delivery in that and his role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are fantastic. And he won an Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So it's a very it's true. a very good pairing. They work very well together. I think Brad Pitt, the way he delivers lines, is just perfect for the very specific brand of comedy that Tarantino writes into his scripts. So I think that works really, really well. There's not a lot of actors who could deliver those lines as funny as Brad Pitt does. The way he just it's just the way he says words. The way he goes, Gorlami. Just so good. <laughs> Gorlami. He's a... Uh... He's great for yeah Tarantino. It's in, it's funny because it wouldn't be a pairing you would assume would work out really well, but mm-hmm. honestly, they're like a very underrated duo for directors and uh, actors. They don't have many movies, you know, like uh, Scorsese and De Niro or Leo. They're always working together, but definitely a great combo. So that'd be nice to see. Um, next up, Millie Alcock is going to be DCU's. Supergirl. She played young Rhaenyra in House of the Dragon, which you didn't see. Or you I saw, saw, I saw her scenes. You saw her. Okay. I saw her episodes, which is what matters for this new segment right now, is that I saw her in that show, but I did not finish that show. Um, I'm going to go with yay, teetering on, I don't care. <laughs> it, it's a yay because I really like her, and I think she's a very good actress, and I think she will do good in that role. It's a teetering on, I don't care because I don't care about superhero stuff anymore. I just don't. Just gotcha. gone. Because, I mean, if they're just going to reboot everything every 10 years and just cast new actors, I'm just, why would I care? I do like her, though. I think she'll be good in the role. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how they go about that. Um, since it'll be the first, I mean, I guess we just got a Supergirl in The Flash, but yeah. you know, this will definitely be trying to center on her more. So I, I also liked her in The Flash. Thing. What was her name? Um, I forget. At this point, but she was really good. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna look it been up so that I can give her a shout out because I thought movies. she was good. So yeah, while you do that, I can introduce the next segment. Roadhouse. Sasha Cal. Sasha Cal. I thought she was really good in it. It's kind of sad they're kicking her to the curb because she was good. Yeah, it's yeah an unfortunate time to get cast as a Supergirl in the last breath of the DCEU. So yeah, quite Rip. a shame. But Roadhouse. The remake trailer starring uh, Jake Joan Hall, I believe Doug Lyman is the director for it. That's correct. So, did you get to see this? I know you're a big. I did see Road the trailer. I do love the original Roadhouse, and I have seen the trailer. And your thoughts, yeah or nay? Have you heard the story about Doug Lyman protesting the movie? Yes. 
So, okay, so for the audience, Doug Liman is the director of Roadhouse. He made the movie with, what was it, Touchstone? No, not Touchstone. Didn't tell you. New Line Didn't Cinema? I think sure. it was. I think it was something with a a, a smaller uh, production company that got bought out by Prime while the movie was in production, and Prime announced when they bought that company and a couple other ones that they would release what is it twelve movies in theaters to keep the theater industry going, and then the rest would go to streaming. And so the conversation that they had with Doug Liman was Doug Liman was like, "This is this is going to be a really good movie. I really want it to be in theaters. Of course, I don't want it to go to streaming. He's, you know, he's a filmmaker. He's a good filmmaker. He wants his movies to be in theaters like every good filmmaker wants. And Amazon said, well, we're going to wait to see the final product. And if it's good, it'll be in theater. And Doug Lemon said, great. And he was confident and he went for it. And he said, this is going to be in theaters because it's going to be a good product. He said, I'm making a good movie. It's going to be a good remake. Jake Gyllenhaal's good in it. Conor McGregor's in it. They're going to want to put this in theaters. Come time to release the movie. Amazon goes, Guys, it's going to be straight to streaming. Straight to streaming. You're going to see this movie on your TV, on the small screen, never in theaters. Boo-hoo. And Doug Lyman goes, what the actual fuck? That is crazy. This movie is good. How dare you say that? And he's protesting the movie and saying, don't watch it. Don't watch his own movie because he thinks it should be in theaters and not on streaming. And I did give it go, a... Did he go that far of like, don't watch the movie? I know he didn't go to the premiere. It was like premiering at one of the festivals and he just didn't go to it. He might not have said that. I just assume it's just it said Doug Lyman. I read the article and it was saying that Doug Lyman is protesting the movie. You assume that that means don't watch the movie, but he might just be taking a step back from it in terms of promotion. But overall, it's a, it's a pretty big fuck you to Amazon because I mean, you want your director to promote his own movie, of course, and he's obviously not doing that very heavily. So it's still kind of a bold move for any filmmaker to make to not fully back their movie, no matter where it's being performed. And I, I support Doug Lyman for that choice to, to protest Amazon's decision to stream it and to want his movie that he worked very, very hard on and that many people worked very, very hard on to be in theaters where it belongs. That being said, I have seen the trailer and there's no way in fucking hell that this movie was good enough to be one of the 12 movies Amazon prime is going to put in theaters this year. No fucking way, man. I mean, I like Doug Lyman, but that movie looks garbage. The original, <laughs> if I'm being honest, the original Roadhouse isn't that good either. I love it because it is cheesy and Patrick Swayze is amazing in it and Sam Elliott is amazing in it. And it is funny and it is very, very weird. And it's violent at times. Very, very violent. Just out of nowhere. And it's cool. But it's not actually that good. Like, it's not written really well. But it's 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 got that 80s cheese and it's awesome. And he rips a guy's throat out. It's 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 got moments. It's right. got really good moments, but it's not very good. And then to remake that and to take out the 80s cheese and try to make it a serious movie with 2010s cheese does not does not compute to a good movie at I. But if people say it's good, I will give it a shot. I'm not I'm not opposed to giving any movie a shot, and this is one that I will give a shot for the sake of Patrick Swayze and the original Roadhouse. Gotcha. And you won't have to go to the theaters to give it a shot. Because that's correct. staying on stream. So, but stay go. stay strong, Doug Lyman. I like I like uh, Edge of Tomorrow, and stay strong, yes, Jake sir. Gyllenhaal. I like a lot of your movies, he dude. Edge of Tomorrow should have gotten a sequel. Jack. That's such yeah. bullshit. It's such bullshit. It never got a sequel. It's dude. It's, it's built in to the to the the what is it called? The tagline. It's built in. Live, die, repeat, repeat again. They could have they could have <laughs> built it in, dude. Come on. So just right there. Edge of tomorrow too. Live, die, repeat, repeat again. God, it would have been perfect. <laughs> Bullshit. 
I should have been a, I should have been a marketing man. <laughs> you know, you know the you know the brand Brooklinens. Like you listen to Armchair Expert, and they always have ads for Brooklinens, and other podcasts have ads for Brooklinens because they always buy their ads on podcasts and stuff. You know that Brooklinens. Sure. Could you imagine if the Beastie Boys collaborated with Brooklinens? And they did a cover of No Sleep Till Brooklinens, but it's Yes Sleep with Brooklinens instead of No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Yes Sleep with Brooklinens. I've been thinking about that for three fucking years. Three years? Every time. Because the first Brooklinens ad I heard was on Armchair Expert, which must have been three, four years ago. And every time I hear the Brooklinens ads, no matter what they are, I am begging them in my head to go with this idea. I'm going to give it to them for free. If anybody who's listening to this, which is nobody, <laughs> if anybody is listening to this, knows anyone at Brooklyn's, please, for the love of God, pitch them this idea. They can have it for free. I need no royalties. I want to see the result. This is a Super Bowl ad built in. Like I'm giving them the perfect advertising. Yes, sleep with Brooklyn's. And then you do it to the song theme. Yes, sleep with Brooklyn's. Brooklyn's. Come on. That is... <laughs> That would Dude, be great. That is, the Beastie Boys would be down. This they, is my. This is my. license their songs for anything. So you bro. you talk to them and make them go to Brooklyn, and you'll probably have a better shot. Honestly, this is my this is my John Hamm from Mad Men kind of moment where <laughs> I'm pitching them Lucky Cigarettes. It's roasted. You know that's my that moment. You know it's Brooklinens. Yes, sleep with Brooklinens. Don't you see? Right. Don't you understand? There we go. All right, that's my that's yeah. my rant. That's my rant for jaded January. <laughs> okay, he's jaded about there being no Brooklyn and ads with the Beastie Boys, which is it's a good call. That would thank you. That would hit. That thank would hit you for sure. Yes, it would. Um, all right. Yeah, and, and you too. know what? I'm glad I said it here because now it's recorded. Now it's recorded that I had I this idea. Except I had this idea at the very latest, like, February 5th, 2024, the very latest I had this idea today, if not earlier, because I did have it earlier. But I will say today is the official recording of me having this idea so that when they do make this out of reality one day, I can point to it and I can point to this podcast episode and say, I had the fucking idea first. I had it first. Me, unsuccessful podcaster Dylan Johnson, <laughs> had the idea first bastards we'll be uh we'll be rooting for you to be able to to call back to this episode you're I'm goddamn sure. right you will find right, a way to get the royalties all right beetlejuice 2 is called beetlejuice beetlejuice talk about your live die repeat repeat again idea beetlejuice <laughs> they had some some thinkers in the office for that one and they said what if we called it beetlejuice beetlejuice set up for the third one as well what do you think yay or nay it sounds like they're building towards a third film. And yes. could you imagine going to the theaters and you go up to the ticket booth and you pay for a movie and you have to say, I would like to see Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And then out of nowhere, you have to watch a terrible movie. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Uh-huh. What a terrible idea. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. What a stupid name. Should have been Beetlejuice too. Just fucking really writing off the movie itself. He said it's going to be terrible. I don't think it's going to be good. Dang. I'm, I'm a skeptic a when it comes to Beetlejuice sequel. Because I am a huge Beetlejuice fan. Even bigger than Roadhouse. And I am very, very skeptical about a sequel to Beetlejuice. I will... They got the whole gang coming back. 
Jenna Ortega coming in too. You're not excited? I have not been satisfied with Tim Burton in quite some time. So we will see. We will see. Jim Carrey is coming out of retirement for Sonic 3 to reprise his role as Egghead. I think I answer for everyone when I say yay. Big yay. Box office breakdown. Dude, I am am a big yay anytime Jim Carrey comes out of retirement. I mean, come on. (laughs) Just keep, keep working. Keep doing it. Big yay. I need more Jim Carrey. I don't care in what form. You do whatever you want. (laughs) Just keep going. I love Jim Carrey. Did you see his like 60th birthday? I don't know what year it was, but where he had like a whole bunch of comedians and great actors and whatnot in there celebrating his birthday. That was great to see. So uh, yeah, Jim Carrey. Keep making more movies. You're awesome. Big fan. All right. Box office breakdown for January 26th to the 28th. Mean Girls still on top with 6.9 million, bringing its domestic total to 60 million. Followed by Jason Statham's Beekeeper with 6.6 million. Wonka, 5.6 million. Migration, 4.8 million. Anyone but you, 4.6 million. Yorgos Lanthimos's Poor Things, a big Oscar contender this year, racking in 2.9 million. Aquaman, raking in. Did I say racking in? I said racking in, raking in. Uh, Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, 2.72 million. Bring its. Worldwide total to four hundred and fifteen million. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking when you rack up the billiards balls, racking or them up, racking up the money. Yeah, I think racking it in works. No, it's raking it in, but it's racking it up because you yeah. rack up the balls, but you rake in the leaves. You can also just say, I don't know why you're stuck on the like billiards thing. Like, yeah, you rack up the balls there, but you also say like rack up a bunch of money or something. Yeah, but I'm I'm comparing it in terms of phrases that we use outside of like money metaphors. It would be raking in the raking the in the leaves or racking like you wouldn't say racking in the balls or raking I guess you could say raking up the leaves. I don't know. Dylan, I'll be <sighs> honest, I've just been thinking about Paul Newman for the last twenty minutes. Twenty seconds. Although I wish it was twenty minutes. <laughs> we gotta we gotta since, before, since we started recording. Yeah, you have twenty minutes ago I was like, bro. Let's <laughs> just think about just Paul Not mentioned, just very silently, as I'm going on a rant about <laughs> Roadhouse, just like, like God, yeah, but we should be talking about Paul Newman right now. How can I fit yeah. Paul Newman into this podcast? How can I how can we do that? We were I'll able to honest. do this. Let's get through yep. the rest of this thing so we can talk about what I want to talk about, which is the Royal Rumble rant. So let's go. Absolutely, Godzilla absolutely. minus one, minus color, 2.7 million. They brought it back. They put it in black and white, and people went to they go did? see it. You were not one That's of That's so cool. I didn't know there was a thing. I would have gone. Well, I want to see the color oh. version first. But that sounds so, – I mean, eventually they're going to release a DVD version that has both versions on it. So I'll just – I will wait, and I'll just buy the DVD because I've heard very good things about it, and I'll just own the DVD. Or maybe they'll make a criterion of it. How cool would that be? I'm sure one day they will. One day. Maybe maybe it'll be a long time from now, but maybe one day. Uh, American Fiction with 2.5 million. And running out the top 10, Night Swim, 2.2 million. Now, now we can do our box office predictions for February 2nd to the 4th, and I cut you off because I want to talk about it. Matthew Vaughn's Argyle is coming out this weekend. Ryan, what do you think it's going to make? I'm going to guess nowhere beyond 20 million. Uh, I would agree with that assessment. I think you're on the money. Isn't that devastating? Isn't that devastating he's doing so bad? I mean, were you pulling for this? Did you? Are you? I kind of like. I like it? Matthew Vaughn. I, I I might go see it. You know what? I should have seen it if I didn't have time. But I should have for the sake of jaded January. But 
This is the only release in January that I was interested in seeing in theaters, not even Mean Girls. I just, I like Matthew Vaughn. I enjoy the Kingsman series. I felt like, like the trailer's still his Matthew Vaughn kind of cheesiness with the, the CGI and the goofiness and the, you know, very, very modern filmmaking style, very action oriented, but it's still fun. Like it's a fun time. And I always thought Kingsman was really fun. I thought Kingsman two had moments. I thought, I thought I would enjoy Argyle, you know, and it's kind of sad to see that it's not doing so hot, you know, it's not, but Hey, you can, you can go out and see it. Maybe you'll enjoy it. I mean, maybe I'll go and watch it. I mean, I got Regal Unlimited still, so might as well catch it, but yeah, Dude, I got to cancel that for the, for the, for the dead season. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it's definitely it's tough to get it in uh, like January, February, but March. Dude, from January from January to May, I feel like I should just cancel it and pay out of pocket because I'm just I'm just losing money right now because I'm not going to see ten movies in the next five months in theaters. There are not ten movies coming out that I will want to see. Yes, there are. I mean, in March and April for sure. Ten in March and April. Yeah, Dune March starts off with Dune, and then there's a whole bunch of other ones that we won't recount because we're going to move on to the main topic of the show. All right, you really want to get all right? I keep Percy stalling. Jackson. I'm stalling. I'm stalling. No, you're stalling. <laughs> you communist. Oh my god! All right, let's talk about Percy Jackson, the Olympians. I brought it up on our last grab bag. I watched the first two episodes. Now I have seen the full season, eight episodes. Mm-hmm. I will say uh i wouldn't recommend it for you don't unless you're really an actual fan of the books or whatever but yeah, it just it doesn't uh doesn't have anything that i feel like would stick out to you that would make it a compelling watch damn that's kind of disappointing because i was a fan of the original books i mean so yeah i mean you can give it a try but i don't know i think they are still finding their way i think they'll improve with the following seasons because the last two episodes were definitely the best one the best ones of the season by far but and it's the it's the whole first book yeah the whole first book is the first season so again there are some moments in there that are good but yeah i don't know i feel like everything from like the direction to the writing to some of the actors performances like all of that needs to uh step up and obviously you know they gained a lot of experience doing it through this first season if they shot it somewhat, you know, like chronologically, then the episodes towards the end where they had more of that experience and had the reps under their belt, there was improvement. Like, I definitely enjoyed those episodes more. But overall, on the whole, yeah, I just, I don't know if I can recommend it yet. I think we'd have to wait for a second season if it gets one. And if that one, you know, does, does well, then I can be like, yeah, just slog through some of those early episodes. But I mean, it's, it's a, okay time it's decent but yeah i mean it's nothing to run out and put on your tv real quick yeah that's kind of a bummer you know i was kind of hoping it'd be good i mean i hadn't started watching it and also forgot that it was a thing until we talked about it now (laughs) but i was kind of hoping that it would be good i was hoping it'd be one of those things where i missed it when it came out and then when the last few episodes came out people were like oh my god it's amazing Oh my God, it's like the best show. They did such a good job adapting it. You have to watch it. And then I go, all right, I watch it. And then I go and watch it. And I go, oh my God, it's amazing. I was hoping it would have the Andor effect. I would hope it would be like, it would come out, it would come out, and then nobody would talk about it. And then I don't know where I'd get some hype from at least one person, which in Andor's case was you, where you were like, dude, it is the best thing I've ever seen. And I was like, ain't no way. Ain't no way 
the the miniseries following the one character from Rogue One that I forgot about is going to be that good. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, shit, it is fantastic. You know? Yes, sir. Dude, delayed again, I think. Are you and fucking we're, kidding? We're, we're definitely not seeing it this year. And it's going to be tail into 2025 if we do see it. That's damn. so sad. God damn, so dude. Sad. That's two years between releases it's getting the it's getting the euphoria treatment bro that's ridiculous it's getting i mean yeah every major show now it's like two years in between it is absurd we gotta stop what is that about why can't you just drop a show every year like you used to you know it's because they try and make it i mean andor is one where it's like okay that one you can take your time and let it cook but all these other ones it's just because again they try and make it movie level spectacle um and so yeah i think it's because i think it's because a lot of the shows i think a lot of the shows dropped the season right before the pandemic hit and then the pandemic hit and they had to delay their production. And then that gave them enough time to write really, really well. And so in like 2021, we got some really, really good shows out of it. And they were like, wow, if we, we just take a year off instead of rushing the scripts, we can come up with some really good shit. Yeah. I don't think it's the writing. I think it's the, cause that's what happened with Barry, the production scale. And then the, like all the CGI that needs to go into it as well. I think that's what I think. I think, I think, I think there are a lot of, writers rooms that are getting more room to breathe in terms of pumping out scripts for tv shows because barry is a good example where they were going to start production on season three and then they got delayed and they were like okay well let's just work on it and then they changed the entire story for season three and four and came up with like a perfect ending for it and then i don't know i think there were just a lot of shows that had that same experience of everything went on hiatus because of coronavirus and everything all productions were paused and so there was a lot of writers rooms that just had extra time and they were like hey let's just work on the stories while we have them. We have so much time and they just beefed up their scripts. Yeah, definitely don't think that's uh, what's driving it. It'd be nice. I mean, if that was the main motivation of like, guys, let's just make sure we get it right. But even still, like, do you need two years in between each season to make sure you get it right? I mean, Breaking Bad was doing it year after year. West Wing, The Wire, all these shows. Never you think every kind of- writer is as good as Vince Gilligan or Aaron Sorkin? No. And also, no. Sopranos definitely had some weaker moments. I mean, that's fine. I'm just saying, in general, it used to be that people were doing it like more episodes per season, number one, and then doing it back to back year over year. What's the main difference? I don't think it's necessarily the writers' rooms being different. I think it's the scale of the shows. We were talking about Andor, House of the Dragon, Last of Us. These shows that are now the big, big ones, they're on a much bigger scale. They need a bunch more CGI, crazier well, sets, the, the, longer production. The same thing happened schedules. with Succession. Succession got pushed off because of of COVID, and or wait, it was because of the writer strike. It got pushed off because of something, and then they went and rewrote some stuff in the break that they had. It couldn't have been the writer strike; they were on strike. It they, it was because of the pandemic. They had time to rewrite stuff, and I think they rewrote parts of season three or something, or season four or something to to change it up and make it different. And it was great. I don't know that that was the case. I think they just couldn't shoot. And so they may have changed some things, but they had just like a shorter season. They had one episode less. And uh, yeah, I don't think that was a dramatic change from what they were doing before. Because again, the first two seasons came out back to back. And then uh, I guess season three and four maybe had a bit more of a delay between them. But I don't know when season three came out. If that was like late 2021 and then obviously 2023, it was earlier in the year. Either way, once again. Not the main topic of the show. Let's move on to Saltburn, which is a film both of us have seen. What are your thoughts, Dylan? Are you jaded on Saltburn? No, I, I liked it more than most people did, I think. I think, of course, the weakest part of the movie is the writing, which really sucks. 
I think it had potential to be a really well-written movie, and it just didn't quite stick that landing at the end. And I think I said it before on the show, in our last episode of the Top 10, when I said uh, it felt like Emerald Fennel was really worried about the plot twist being revealed too early, and so she hid it too deeply in the story that it didn't quite connect when it actually happened, which is really bad. I would rather, much rather guess the plot twist to a movie happening than be completely dumbfounded when it does happen because it doesn't make sense. I would rather guess it. Like there needs to be more breadcrumbs there. Like the the entire character motivation for Barry Kilgan's character to be a vampire and murder the whole family. It just doesn't does not compute. It doesn't stick that landing. It's there, but you didn't put a spotlight on it enough to the point where I go, oh of course he was going to do that. Oh of course that was the plan. No, of course that wasn't the plan. How the fuck was I supposed to know that was the plan? Nobody knew that that was a plan. It just came out of fucking nowhere. Right. Yeah, the writing was not not top notch. It wanted to be a few different things, I feel like. It wanted to be a thriller. It wanted to be like an erotic thriller. It wanted to maybe kind of be a like satire, like commentary on class and everything like that. But I just think the issue was it didn't like stick the landing on any of these. Like, there was a lot of potential there, I feel like, definitely. But I was surprised being in there because I saw it in theaters, like, when it came out. Really? Um, That's a yeah. wild theater experience. <laughs> were there, sure. did people, there were no did people, people like, in the theater, though. damn, that sucks. Yeah. I, I wish I had seen it with a group of people because I watched it alone in my house at, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I, I was sitting there watching it. And when they get to the part where the sister, like he's making out with the sister and then he goes to like go down, she says she's on her period. And he says, it's a good thing I'm a vampire, which that is good writing. Great line. For you, I'm a vampire. And I'm like, my guy. No, no, no. With, with, with where the plot to us goes, that is a good line. I would keep that in. If I was like the script editor or something and I was like going through it, I'd be like, good one. Check mark. But he said that and started to go down and out loud. I went, no to nobody else in the house <laughs> nobody else was there i was alone and I went, no yeah, that's don't the other do big it thing about which is funny is uh because i think one of the biggest weaknesses of it is that it tries to go so hardcore into these like provocative moments to get a rise out of you and that it mm-hmm. probably sacrifices too much of like character substance for it um because again it, like how you said it wants a nice big twist and wants these big provocative moments and so it's like writing to those parts rather than anything to deal with the themes or commentary on class or about the character Mm -hmm. of ollie so i'm like that's kind of your biggest issue but then it's also like no that's the greatest strength of software because so many people are talking about it yeah because everyone wants to talk about those moments of like bro what was the one that made you squirm the most but that's for you it was the period blood that's the real tragedy is you said that it's sacrificing the character moments for the sake of those crazy moments. But what the tragedy is, is that you don't have to do that as a writer. Like you can, that's incorporate true. That's why it's, so sad. Those, yeah, it's the tragedy is that you could incorporate so much of that crazy stuff and then still have a really well-written movie. Like look at Parasite. Parasite has some of the craziest plot twists I've seen in a theater and like the most out loud gasp moments I've ever seen. Not as much as Saltburn, not, not, not in the same way. But it has those moments and it still has like really well written story about class struggle. Like it sticks that landing really, really well while also having those gasp, crazy, dramatic moments. And, you know, Saltburn could have done that and it just didn't. 
which is sad. If she had had more time on that script, maybe she could have pumped something out a little better, you know? I mean, I don't know what you're doing singing the tune of, like, everyone just needs more time. Time I weathers I mean, all She wounds. had time. She had all the time in the world. She just won an Oscar for writing for a promising young woman. Um, so she had the time, but she wanted to take it. But this you is you gotta ride that, that wave, man. Through. You gotta pump it out. Maybe but, ride uh, that wave. Put a movie out quick. Boom. To go back to the most important part of Saltburn, the crazy sequences. So you're saying it was the period blood that was the one that like got the biggest reaction. That one and, and slurping the bathwater is crazy. Dude, the tub slurping. I. That was me literally squirming in my seat because, dude, I I had to know. I was like, please tell me that that drain, they had, like, disinfected it and cleaned it up. And it was just the, like, set decorators coming in there and making it look all, look all dirty and having, like, the water lanes in there. Because I'm like, if they made that poor man, Barry Keoghan, go in. What do you mean made Lick him? up a freaking. You made him? Oh, yeah, he, he, dude, he would have he asked, like, he don't clean it. Don't clean it. My character <laughs> needs it to be dirty. He's don't like, clean it. It needs to be a dirty drain. But that, I was just dirty. like, bruh, forget about the whole, like, you know, the bodily fluids in there. When I'm like, dude, the drain? Just any anytime anyone would ever have to lick up a drain. That's just awful. Terrible. So that was the worst. <laughs> Stop that. Stop it. No. That's the worst, worst one for me by far. The, yeah, um, that one was really bad, too. Fucking the, the grave cool. one. Fucking the grave was cool. This bull yeah, I saw it come in because I was like, at this point, I'm like, okay, she's gonna do the crazy thing. So as he's there and we're like lingering on that shot for too long, I'm like, this boy is about to try and uh, do something freaky here, and sure enough, he did. And I thought that they were gonna end the film on that of like him just <laughs> trying to fornicate with the grave. And I, been I, don't a know, I think I would have liked it. A little more had they just. Ended I would have too. I was like, that'd be such a bold place to end it. Just on. because we, w- I would have liked it more, just because we wouldn't have had that really, you know, kind of poopy plot twist. But also, I really, really enjoyed the murder on the dance floor ending sequence. It's so good. Right, right, right. There's a reason it's iconic. It is now iconic. That song yeah, is I, iconic. I thought that. Yeah, the twist, I guess I'm I'm okay with. It's just the way they try to convey it where they like yeah, over explains yeah. every little part of it in that montage of like showing him in the laptop just typing nonsense on his laptop as if you just to make that, yeah. a Rosman Pike's character not like think that he was there waiting for her. I'm like, did we need to see that? Did we need to see like the dollar bills in his wallet while he was there? Like we already got it at that point. Like we know he's been monologuing the whole thing. Once uh, he did that thing to the Farley, right, Farley, um, mm-hmm. where he like rooted him out by making the people the think email. that he had sent out like emails to sell off some ancient thing or whatever that the the guy really liked. At that point, it was like, okay, it's clear he's coming in and pulling some strings here. And then when Jacob Lordy's character dies, it's like, okay, like we're we're on the scent here. We know what's happening. If you just have him pull out, which that was a crazy scene when he pulled out like the ventilator thing from uh, Rossman Pike's character. You know, it's funny. I have a I have a coworker who I told to listen to this podcast. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that she will listen to this podcast to a few other episodes first. (laughs) Not her best work at the moment, but uh, nah, I think we're I think we're in a groove right now. I I I hope that she listens to this episode and hears me tell the story because I'm I'll be hope I'll be waiting for a text where she goes, ah, you told the story. So she she has mentioned every time I mentioned Saltburn, which has been a few times. This is every time she mentions the same story. 
And the story is that she was watching the movie with her fiance, who is now her wife as of today. She just got married. Wow, congrats. She was watching the movie with her wife, fiance at the time, and her fiance, now wife, is a uh, uh, one of the uh, health services paramedics at Universal, so very big into health services and all that stuff. And she will say that every time, every time I bring up Saltburn, that when they were watching this movie and he pulls out the 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 uh, what is that fucking called? Tube the pulls out the tube. tube yeah. yeah, pulls out the ventilator tube from her throat. That when they were watching that scene, her fiance went, "It's not that long. It's not that long. It's not that long." But, but isn't it a dramatic effect? No, I, it's not I that think long. They like are pretty long. Like I think it's that, not that long. Yeah, you know how long it's it is long, when he pulls it out of her. Dude, it's not that long. It's really long. It's like it's like three and a half feet long when he pulls it out of her, which is crazy. That would reach like her anus. Like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. It's not that long. Yeah, I don't know what it's called either because it's definitely not a <laughs> ventilator tube. So, well, maybe it is. Hold on. Let's see. Are you really looking it up, ventilator tube? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to see how far it goes. Exhale down. I'm trying to see how long it is. Blah, blah, blah. It's not that long. I'm telling you. Thing. I'm getting all these like cartoon graphic things instead of an actual picture of just the ventilator thing. Ventilator tube length. Let's see it. I just want to see it. Endotracheal tube is 21 centimeters for women. Oh, wait, hang on. The The average size of the tube for adult males is 8 inches and adult female is 7 inches. So it'd be, I don't know. It's, yeah, it is not that long. Yeah, certainly not. Fascinating. Either way, great moment. Like that yeah, was one of the things where it, it's like, okay, it looks was... really good. Like it looked like it's very dramatic because I mean he rips it out of her and it's huge. It wouldn't mm-hmm. work if it was like if he flung it out and it was like three inches long. Right. Don't don't take that out of context. <laughs> so Saltburn, any other other things you want to comment on about this film? No, I think we said it to death, and I just I just wish. I wish it had been better because it's gorgeous. It's shot really, really well. And it's interesting. It was something I wanted to watch. Like I was enjoying watching it. And then it just kind of shit the bed. All right. How many ventilator tubes out of five? I think I gave it. I think I gave it four when I finished watching it just because I was like, it's three and a half teetering on a four, but I'm going to give it a four. And then Maestro was similar. I was like, it's, Four teetering on three and a half. I'm going to give it three and a half. So I gave Maestro three and a half, and I gave this four. But I'm probably going to give it a three and a half. I think it's, I think it's a solid three and a half. Just because I enjoyed the ride so much, even though the ending was not stuck. Gotcha. I will say, cinematography was gorgeous. Linus Sangren coming off uh, Babylon, fantastic. Absolutely loved it. Uh, so. That is going to always be a plus, of course. However, I had high expectations going in because I really dug the the trailers. And of course, Emerald Fennell's last work, Promising a Woman. I think we both are on the positive side of that. You know, that's yeah. another like super diversive work. It's been a divisive work that she has. So, it's been a hot debate in our friend group about that recently. Have you heard about that? I have not. Ooh, we'll have to. I'll, have to I'll tell about you about that. it afterward. Yeah. Yeah. Off the show. Um, but anyway, that is one of the podcast episodes that we do have up that your friend and everyone else should go and listen to. Promising, Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman. 
Um, I give it two point five. Wow, I was, was kind of that's okay. Yeah, I understand. But, uh, I understand, but I enjoyed the ride. I mean, it was definitely yeah, it was a good ride for sure. A lot to talk about there, so that's always good. But yeah, yeah overall, I felt it it had much more potential, and we just didn't get to yeah. see the version I was hoping. All right, let's talk about Iron Claw. I'm, not I'm pissed at you. So I don't understand where you thought that we were going to go see this together. And I told one, you many times, I really want to see Iron Claw. I really want to see Iron Claw. I'm excited to see Iron Claw. God, I need to make time to see Iron Claw. And you went and you saw Iron Claw without me. You son me. of a bitch. I mean, I don't know when you were saying that stuff because I was not picking up on, on that. Air. Right, I'm gonna... On air. On air. Open. It's on air. I said I said multiple times on air. I I can't wait to see Iron Claw. Or I'm really excited to see Iron Claw. Yeah. Why haven't you seen it? Do you even know it came out? Anyone to go with? Oh my god! You could have if you wanted to go. You could have just you could invited me to go to it. But I was seeing the uh, the time ticking down of it being in theater. Can I just once be invited out to a nice going. movie with my friend? Can I once be the bell of the ball? <laughs> All right, so Iron Claw. Well, maybe I won't spoil it for you, but my big yeah, issue with it is uh, a major spoiler. Let's just say the point of the movie is great because it obviously draws from a real-life thing. Why would you erase aspects of the real-life thing that only reinforce the message of the movie? They erased things? That. They absolutely did. Not things, people. people? So I'll just say... Crazy. Um, it makes no sense. Like, it... They have given reasons for why they did that, and I think it's stupid. Like it, it totally contradicts. Did they get rid of one of the brothers? So it's ridiculous. Because I know the Von Eric story. Did they get rid of one of the brothers? Yes. Which one? Do you know them? Do you know the brothers? I don't know them by name, but I know what happened to them. Oh, you do. It was the youngest. See the one that killed himself. Which one did that? Uh, yes. I mean, he was one of the ones that did that, yeah. Oh, you're right. There's multiple. So That's crazy. Why would the they whole... get rid of him? So their whole thing was saying, like, oh, the movie wouldn't be able to take another tragedy. Is the that true? The whole point of the movie and of Kevin's, or not Kevin, Carrie's story is that he's persevering despite all this insane tragedy, <laughs> like the most unfair thing that could possibly happen in life happening over and over again and feeling like there's this curse on the family and yet you have to go on and raise your own family and not believe in that curse and try and find happiness the whole point of it is to feel that same weight of just like tragedy and despair over this constant stream of the worst thing imaginable happening so to prevent the audience from feeling that same level by removing one of the brothers, which on its own would be terrible because, again, it's a story about the brothers. But justifying it by saying the audience wouldn't be able to handle it. There's got to be another reason. Good. We're not, we're supposed to be feeling the same, like, abject despair as our main character that we're supposed to be aligning with and then find comfort in the fact that he is able to persevere. Like, that's the whole point of it. So that's just ridiculous. That's the reason they gave. I listened to interviews with the director who said, this is why I made the call. And I'm like, you idiot. So, yeah, it uh, was a great film if they didn't do that. Um, but anyway, let's talk about All of Us Strangers. Wait, that was it? What did you rate Iron Claw out of five? I'm talking about it. Uh, I give it a three 
but again, it lost, it lost at least a full star for, for erasing that thing. But on its own, like if you didn't know the story and you go into it, I feel like, yeah, you'd be able to really enjoy it. And then you'd be like, wow, that's crazy. I can't believe all that stuff happened. And then you'd be none the wiser that there's even more to the story there. You'd be like, just you wait. <laughs> just yeah. just wait until I tell you about the other Von Eric. Exactly. So did you ever watch Manchester by the Sea? I did. Dude, talk about a movie with unbearable amount of tragedy. I mean, Jesus Christ. Honestly. Dude, so when they good. when they show him sad for like the first hour of the movie, and I'm thinking something must happen. And then they show his kids and you go, Oh, he killed his kid. And then they show a second one and a third one, and you're like, No fucking way, he killed all three <laughs> fucking kids. That's crazy. He had to have killed just one of them. And then he kills all three kids. Insane. Yeah. Spoilers for Manchester by the Sea, by the way. <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. Really that movie, that movie, talk about unbearable amount of tragedy. Crazy. So All sad. Right. Let's All uh, the Strangers. Another tragic film, so I hear. A little bit. A At little least bit. it, uh, you know, can make the tears flow. It's interesting. It's an interesting, interesting movie. I think... All four of the actors, I said this when we did our top ten last week, and I mentioned it as one of my honorable mentions, I think all four of the actors did really, really well. Andrew Scott, Paul Mescal, Jamie Bell, Claire Foy, fantastic. All four of them, fantastic. I still think Andrew Scott should have been nominated for an Oscar, and I'm kind of pissed that he wasn't, because he is phenomenal in this movie, absolutely phenomenal. I think it's ridiculous that he didn't get nominated for an Oscar. I will say... <laughs> Did not stick the landing, which is more of a bummer than Saltburn not sticking the landing. Because Saltburn was a fun ride up until the end, and I can appreciate the fun ride of it. All of the Strangers is not so much a fun ride as it is a very, very tragic lesson that you're trying to learn with the main character that fumbles at the end, which makes the whole earlier part of it feel not so good did they it, it like contradicted what was happening before no, the story or no it didn't contradict it just it felt like it felt like they had they had crafted this really unique story that was really really interesting and gave was a really good way to have a character go through a big character change in a short period of time because it takes place over like a couple weeks maybe a very, very big character change where he learns a lot about himself and a lot about what it's like to be the person that he is with the circumstances that he's in. I'm trying to say this without spoiling anything. Appreciate and, it. And it's it's giving this very unique perspective on that that like no person in the real world will ever be able to experience this. So it's movie magic 100%. He is able to experience this out-of-world thing and it changes him as a person as a result. But then the end of it plays more movie magic that I just think ruins so much of the rest of the movie. Like it just, that is, it's like an ending where it's like, I just don't understand why that was the choice made or what impact that has on the story or what I'm trying to learn about the character it does none of those things to me. It just makes me sad. It's it's like they wrote the ending in there for the sake of, like, they just, like, got to the end and they were like, how should we end this? 
oh, here we go, poetic ended. And it's just not poetic. It's just, it's just upsetting. Like, I did not like how it ends. Really, really strongly did not like how it ends. Because up until that ending, it is really, really cool. It is shot really, really well. It is performed really, really well. It is written really, really well. I mean, it had me crying in the theaters. I thought it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So much of it went so right. And then they get to that end, like the last two scenes, and I'm like, brother, what? what is that supposed to mean? I don't like that. That's dumb. That It, does, it has nothing to do with the rest of the story you've been telling this whole time. It has nothing to do with it. Right. It just sucks. And it's not even that it doesn't make sense. It does make sense. Well, there are actually, there are some plot holes as a result, but not major ones. Like, it still kind of makes sense. It's just dumb. Didn't like it. You need to watch it so so we can talk about it, because I think you won't like it either. Okay. (laughs) Then, yeah, I'll see when it comes around on streaming and try and catch it. I am intrigued by it, though. Like, yeah, I've definitely heard people came away from it with some mixed reactions. Do you know what the concept is? I think um, I mentioned it briefly. Yeah, you mentioned before, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll save that for another day. We it's just such a good idea, such a strong idea, and it works so well with the story they're trying to tell. And then they just fumble so hard at the end to me that I gave it like a three and a half, I think, which is really upsetting because it could have been a five. If they had stuck that landing really, wow. really hard, it a five that and it it, it could have easily been in my top ten. I thought the first hour and like. 30 minutes of it were fucking fantastic. I thought it was, I thought there were moments where I, there would be moments where they were setting things up and I was like, I don't know how this is going so far. Mm, they might be a little too on the nose for this. And then they would continue the scene and it would just unfold in such a really, really beautiful way. And then there's just one scene with, with Andrew Scott and Jamie Bell that I think is just incredible. Just the two of them talking. It's just so good. I don't know. It, it touched me a lot and I really wish it had stuck that landing more. Cause I just walked away so upset because of it. Cause it was just so close. Dang. Just so close. That's heartbreaking to want to love a film. But then at the last moment, it just it doesn't let you do it all the way. Yeah. Sucks. It, it really is it. heartbreaking. It sucks. Cause I want to see what it was that uh, turned you out from it. But yeah. Yeah. So three and a half is what you're giving three it? Three and a half, answer. yeah. Final answer, three and a half. Gotcha. All right. Now, let us talk about the Royal Rumble. Mark the time. It is it is 54 minutes and 40 seconds into recording right now. Uh, I, I would like to mark the time to see how long it takes you to finish your rant. So start okay, we'll now. Go through it. I'll definitely, yeah, I'll have to cut it down because we, uh, yeah. No, 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 please. Take way more time. Take um, your time. Pop off, sis. Go crazy. <laughs> Thank you. And of course, be a, you know, an active participant because I'll oh, be throwing some names at you, crazy things at you. Um, but first, I just want to ask. Pretend, pretend like I know nothing about the WWE. Well. Which I do not. Let's find out. I mean, yeah, how much do you know? First of all, I know do you know a person named Roman Reigns? I've heard the name from you. Okay, you've heard the name from me. Okay, gotcha. Uh, you wouldn't know what he looks like, though, or anything like that? You couldn't? I'm, I mean, I might. I could look up a picture. Well, don't. But I'm just okay, saying, like, you can't call him to mind like you could, say, John Cena. No, I can call John Cena, Rey Mysterio, The Rock, you know, nice. big names. Big, big gotcha. names. Okay, cool. Uh, do you know Cody Rhodes? No. Okay. 
That's okay. All right. I'm just setting up the, the stage here. So anyway, please. this is Cody Rhodes story. All right. But okay. we got to go back to tell it right to get us to the finish line. We got to, we got to way back. He is the son of Dusty Rhodes. If you don't know I've Dusty. heard of Dusty Rhodes. Okay, so you've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's great. I mean, that shows you how big of a name and a figure Dusty Rhodes cool is. Cool fucking Rhodes. name. Cool fucking name. It is, absolutely. But here's the Dusty thing. Dusty Rhodes is one of the best. Like a big wrestler in the 70s and 80s. My mom is a big fan and loves and knows him because my grandma was a big fan of Dusty Rhodes. Like, this is how big that man's reach was. So... He was like the blue collar, workhorse, wrestler, the American dream is what they called him. I mean, he was a son of a plumber, right? So like that classic American dream. Uh, and so he was very successful, very popular. He was winning you know, these different championships, except for the WWE championship, which of course back mm-hmm. then was called WWF. But he was never able to get that championship. Which is important. So keep that in mind for later down the road. Keep in mind. I can see the character arc forming. Okay. Yeah. 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 So he has a son, right? Called Dustin Rhodes. Mm-hmm. He's not important right now, but he is also a wrestler. Cody Rhodes is another one of his sons, much younger than Dustin. They're like half brothers. Is Dustin um, Rhodes Dustin Jr. or was Dusty Rhodes born Dusty? I'm not too sure about that. If that was the, because uh, Dustin Rhodes is his name, I believe, and Cody Rhodes is his name. Yes. A lot of the wrestlers like to Dusty Rhodes is probably a, a, a fake name. Dusty yeah. Rhodes is probably, he's probably something Rhodes. Then he was like, you know, it'd be really cool is Dusty Rhodes. And then he had a son and then actually named him Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> well, so he's Dustin Rhodes and then Dusty Rhodes. What is Dusty short for if not Dustin? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. It probably is. Dustin. I mean, we can look it up. We can fact check right now live on air. Dusty. Please, Rhodes. please. Dusty, Dusty Rhodes. Hoffman. Why don't we call him Dusty Hoffman, you know? Because Dusty Rhodes is cooler. Yeah, his name is Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Virgil Hoffman? Uh, Virgil Riley Runnels Jr. Riley Runnels would have been a good name, though. I don't know why I didn't know that. So Dusty Rhodes was his, uh, his wrestling moniker. But anyway, no, American Dream, right? Huge. And then he had Dream. two sons. So we're going to skip forward a little bit. Cody Rhodes. He'd been wrestling a bit before this, but he starts getting on the main roster of WWE around like, you know, 2012, 2013, all that. He is doing okay, but he's not getting the big push um, as, you know, he should be if he's a son of Dusty Rhodes, that icon. So they try and switch up his gimmick, basically, and they give him a new name and rebrand him as Stardust, which is a spinoff of the gimmick that his older brother Dustin Rhodes has. Because he's known as Gold Dust. I want you to look up a picture of Gold Dust. I will look up a picture of Gold Dust right now. What the heck that is. Yeah, please. Gold Dust WWE. Describe Ooh. what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. It's a good reaction. Yeah, describe it. It's um, it's just blackface with gold on it. That's, <laughs> that's all it is. That's really bad. That looks atrocious it's funny because you can see the progression where they realize that is blackface and they make it more gold than black <laughs> they say it's too much black on his face let's add more gold yeah so that's crazy that Looks was gold dust terrible and then they made cody do a rendition of that basically stardust and so obviously i mean it was like like gag gimmick it was a joke and so 
it was treated as such. No one was going to take him seriously. He was never going to get to the top of the the roster like that. So he gets fed up with it and leaves WWE and hits up the indie circuit. And then in 2019, he creates a new, or he's part of the creation of a new wrestling promotion known as AEW, All Elite Wrestling. And it's the first time that WWE has had a real major competitor in like two decades. Do you know WCW? Do you know that? I think so. That was the other competitor from two decades ago. And you know what happened to that? It got swallowed up by WWE. They bought it out and integrated it after winning their, you know, Monday Night Wars. So it's been essentially, yeah, two decades of WWE dominance. However, during that dominance, you know, there's been complacency. So Mm -hmm. Vince McMahon, which by the way, what a crazy two weeks. We're, We're sort of like not touching on that though. We talked about the WWE Raw is now going to Netflix starting next year. Like two days yeah. after that, allegations dropped against Vince, Vince McMahon, which, by the way, is not the first time that's happened. Like he got forced out of the company oh, like yeah. years ago because of that. Yeah, of course, because Vince and McMahon's now, an asshole. Vince McMahon's the fucking worst. Terrible person. And then terrible within that, bad. like the past few years, like post-pandemic, he's done more things, new things. And then these that's new crazy. allegations got him kicked out um, Fuck him. of the company yet again. So it's crazy that they let him back in the first place. But now he's he's gone for good. But anyway, yeah, crazy crazy time um and so vince mcmahon wants to expand the audience even more by making more like family focused kid friendly so he makes it pg right and so people are not as happy with that because it's dumbed down it's kiddish they aren't able to do a lot of the like edgier things that happened in the 90s that set it apart and made it the sensation and allowed it to become you know the top promotion in wrestling so AEW was catering to those fans, right? And Cody yeah. Rhodes, who was executive vice president of it, um, of which there were like many of them, the EVPs, but he was definitely the face of AEW. And it was this, you know, backlash against what WWE had become. So they were able to be a bit more edgier. They're working in, you know, more violent matches. They're allowed to be bloody. You know, WWE had long since gotten rid of blood and all that. Um, so he's in that company. It's doing really well. He's the face of it, but things don't go well forever. All right. So he is what we call a baby face. You know what a baby face is, Dylan? Oh, I know heel. I know okay. that's about it. Baby face for the audience, for the audience, describe what a baby face is. I know what it is, but for the audience, <laughs> what is a baby face? So it is essentially the good guys, right? In wrestling, there's good guys, bad guys. Good guys are baby faces. The bad guys are heels. So Cody Rhodes was a baby face, and he wanted to stay that way. However, again, AEW, having a more edgier audience. Wait, um, Cody Rhodes or Dustin Rhodes? Cody Rhodes, wrong Cody. Dustin's a thing of the past. We're not talking about Dustin's him. a thing of the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by this point, by, yeah, 2015, Dusty Rhodes, Cody's father, had passed away. Okay. So anyway, so here's Cody in a wrestling promotion that leans towards the like older, more edgier crowd, like the fan of okay. 90s and very, very early 2000s. Um, and so they want him to turn heel. They don't like the babyface gimmick, basically. That's like the big thing of if you're like too goody two shoes and all that, they don't really cling to that. So he was getting booed all the time. Things weren't working out. He wasn't getting the, you know, any great matches anymore he had sort of run his course in mm-hmm. aew so he leaves the company 
And in because 20- they wanted to be a heel. Yeah, they want him to be healed. So they're like just booing him all the time, but he's sticking to his guns and being a baby face. Um, and so he leaves the company. And in 2022, in April, in Dallas, Texas, with me in attendance, I was at that WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes returns to the WWE. He went to Dallas, Texas? Yeah. When the fuck was this? It was in 2022, two years ago. The fuck? When did you go to Dallas? What? You totally knew of this. You knew of this. I also I sent well, number one things around my story, but also sent you specific pictures because I remember the whole. <gasps> you Austin did go to Dallas. I you sent did you go a photo to Dallas. of like Austin Theory in a match. You yeah. did go to Dallas. That's right. All right, That's keep going. So I went I'm there. I saw Cody Rhodes. He had a match with Seth Rollins. Fucking Austin Theory. God damn it. Fuck you. <laughs> keep going. So uh, Seth Rollins. So we had he had a match with him, and he won. And then now he's like back in the WWE. Everyone's like loving it. Finally, he's made his return home, right? And then he has a few follow-up matches with Seth Rollins. There's one at Backlash, which is like the next pay-per-view after WrestleMania, which has a bunch of the the rematches. Mm -hmm. And then later on, he had a match at Hell in the Cell, which, as you can imagine, is a pretty hardcore match type where the ring is enclosed by a cage, basically. And there's no disqualification. There's no way out. Blah, blah, blah. You just got to fight. And then they bring out, you know, sledgehammers and chairs and the stairs Jesus and all this. Christ. Right. So it gets hardcore. So, so we, uh, he was going to fight Seth Rollins yet again at that. However, something happened to Cody right before that match. He suffered an injury. And it was a pretty gnarly injury. So I'm going to send to you right now. All right. A picture of it. Oh, geez. So we can get your your getting the full pic. Where are you sending it on Snapchat? Yes, sir. Oh, geez. What so am I opening here? I mean, oh, he God. Pretty gnarly. This is him unveiling it. So he came out in a coat, basically, and then revealed oh, it to the audience. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. It looks like a motorcycle accident. Dude, he had a torn peck. Yeah, it's torn, all right. God damn. It is, for the audience who are not looking at the picture, because maybe you shouldn't, the entire, his right chest, pretty much, all the way over towards his right bicep, is solid, like, so dark a purple that it's almost black. Like, as darkly bruised as the skin could possibly get. His entire right right side of his right pec, all the way down his right bicep. Brutal. How did that happen? That's insane. He just tore the pack like wrestling one day. And so, and that's a real injury. And yet he went in to this big match. Uh, I don't know if it was main eventing, but, you know, big match against Seth Rollins at this pay-per-view. And he fought. He wrestled with a torn pack and won. <laughs> he beat Seth Rollins. Won. That's and crazy. then he had to go away for like six months to nurse that injury, basically, uh, which yes. he definitely aggravated through wrestling it there. But that showed to like the... I mean, all the audience, all the fans of like what he's willing to do, what he's willing to do to his body, put himself on the line in order to give a great show. So he earned a lot of respect with that, even though, again, he was already like really beloved at that point. So later on, 2023, beginning of the year, he's able to make his return to Royal Rumble. So not the one that just happened. This yeah, year, the one from last before, year. He enters in the 30th spot. So the Royal Rumble, basically, it's a 30-man Rumble, Battle Royale, where... Mm-hmm. Two men start out in the ring, and then after every 90 seconds, a new entrant comes in. And it's supposed to be randomly drawn, although, of course, you know, it's predetermined based on what would make the best 
story and the biggest surprises and all that. So in the yeah. final slot, the 30th slot, Cody Rhodes returns and he wins. And the whole thing about the Royal Rumble, it's like the biggest match you could win because you get a guaranteed main event and title shot at WrestleMania. Yeah. So it's like the biggest thing that happened. So he won. And so he's. Well, he came win. in last. I mean. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. But usually that's what happens is you want the big surprise because it's a return and then they get to win. Um, so then he's choosing his opponent, but there's really only one opponent because there's a unified, undisputed WWE Universal Champion. So he has both the big belts, basically. What's yeah. that guy's name? Roman Reigns. Okay. So here's the thing with him, just a brief thing. Back like a decade ago, basically, like 2013, 2014, he was getting the big push. I'm going to say some names. And let me know if you've heard of them. Hulk okay. Hogan. Of course. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Of course. The Rock. Big time. John Cena. Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, of course I've heard of John Cena. Um, so they have all been at one point or another the face of wrestling, basically. Like course, mainstream yeah. exposure. Everyone knows who they are. Vince McMahon had predetermined that Roman Reigns was to be the next guy, right? To be the next face of wrestling. Yeah. And everyone knew it and everyone could see it. He was being shoved down everyone's throats constantly, like getting so many opportunities, so many title shots, so many main events at WrestleMania. And people were sick of it. They did not like it. They didn't like being told that this was going to be the big guy because it wasn't organic. So, yeah, people just did not like him. However, the funny thing was they kept him as a babyface, right? He was supposed to be a good guy that you're supposed to be cheering for. But people mm -hmm. were booing him all the yeah. time. There is a thing where... <laughs> so I'm looking him up because I feel like I've heard of this guy. I want to see what he looks like. Yeah, pull him up. Roman Reigns. I know this guy. Oh, I've definitely seen this guy. Okay. Seen yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this guy for sure. 100%. So he, one of the biggest things was at WrestleMania, there's this wrestler, Undertaker. You know him? Maybe yes, of know? course. Undertaker. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. You kidding? So he, Undertaker? Get the fuck out of here. He is famous for having that streak at WrestleMania where he won over 20 matches without losing an undefeated streak basically and yeah. then he lost to brock lesnar and that was a crazy thing but after that there's one other guy they lost to at wrestlemania on his home turf basically and it was roman reigns and it was like a a squash match basically like undertaker was getting thrown around brutalized how old was undertaker he was pretty old because this was like he's old right 2019. yeah so he i mean he was already like he should have been retired by this point yeah. but he was still going he's 58 now yeah Roman Reigns is 30, 20 years younger than the man. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was basically what it was. Roman Reigns beat Undertaker brutally. Undertaker takes off all his gear, essentially, and leaves it in the ring. And so it looked like it was his retirement. So the next night on Raw, they open up the show. It's Roman Reigns coming out. And I kid you not, for like nine minutes straight, they are booing this guy. They don't let him talk. Like, he doesn't say a word. He's just standing in the ring. Does he beat Undertaker? Booing him. Yes. Like hardcore. If they're saying they're like crazy chants at him, saying you suck, go away, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's like, that's never happened. Like they're supposed to go to commercial break in like the first seven minutes, right? And they yeah. go past that because people are still booing and he hasn't said a word. So like as nuclear heat you can get, right? People want to boo this guy. And they still kept him as a babyface. Like Vince still wanted people to just cheer him. So they do all that. However, somewhere in the pandemic, uh, he comes back from a leave because he was fighting leukemia. So he had to leave for a bit. And then he made his return. But it was during the pandemic. So, you know, it was still in their Thunderdome, as they called it, where there weren't any audience members. 
But he comes in and he's finally a heel. They let him have a heel turn. He wins the championship. He's surrounded by the bloodline, basically. Mm-hmm. So Roman Reigns, part of the big, you know, Samoan family that The Rock is a part of, whose, you know, father um, was with Vince's father. Like that was that whole connection. And so that's why The Rock um, was beloved by Vince as well. And then his whole family going down to Roman Reigns. And then the Usos. These are all just getting people. So Roman Reigns turned heel and was successful. Yeah, he turned heel, was successful, and then which makes sense because looking at this guy, I mean, talk about a fucking heel. He looks just like a fucking heel. I mean, there's no way he'd be a babyface. He does well. Yeah, looks- you're seeing the the way his look is now for sure. Yeah, he looks great. Um, I guess I should look at it. What 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 era was he? Uh, was uh, like Roman Reigns 2014 or something like that. Like they gave him this like trying to be like some battle armor thing. Like he always wore some shirt. I see. Um, and yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, they're trying hard, but no, I mean, he still kind of looks like a heel. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So uh, I think it's the eyebrows. <laughs> the eyebrows. So they had a, so they call it the bloodline, right? It's him and it's like cousins and what they do basically they're heels. So people want to boo them. And so what they do is they have them cheat usually to win. So the bloodline will always get involved in Roman's matches to make sure he wins. So that's the whole thing. But Roman has been going on a tear, right? So 2021, at that WrestleMania, Roman Reigns main events it, defends his title. 2022, I was in attendance for both of those. I got to see him uh, win both times. So he unifies the championships. It's a champion versus championship match. Him against Brock Lesnar, he wins. Mm -hmm. Now we're coming up to 2023. He's got both belts. He's been champion for two and a half years, right? Cody Rhodes chooses him as the guy to beat because Cody wants to do what? Get the WWE championship that his father, Dusty Rhodes, was never able to get. So yes. that's the narrative here. That's the story. And Cody's like, I want to finish the story. I want to win this belt for my dad. Bring mm-hmm. it into the, the Rhodes family the first time ever, basically. So that's the matchup. And it's WrestleMania 39. It's in Hollywood. And so we're thinking, oh, what better Hollywood story, right? The Hollywood ending than Cody Rhodes being able to win the championship for his dad. Mm-hmm. So they have the match. I'm watching it at home. Wasn't able to make that trip to Hollywood for, for that one, but it's a great match. We're seeing these like close calls, close finishes. And then a new surprise member of the bloodline comes out and jabs Cody Rhodes in the throat. Roman Reigns spears him and then gets the win. Cody lost. He lost his story. He wasn't able to finish it. There's this great shot of Cody sitting in the ring, just sitting down, dejected, crushed. And in the background, you see Roman Reigns lifting up both championships. And it was like heartbreaking. Couldn't believe it. But so that that happened, right? And now people still are behind Cody Rhodes. He's the biggest baby face in the company, basically. For this whole year, he was building up, trying to get claw his way back to earn his right to challenge for the title again so he can finish the story and that's what's crazy about it like i said in aew they turned on him because he was a babyface. john cena who you know one of the biggest uh i mean people ever in wrestling business held up the company for like a decade basically he was also an eternal babyface, right like he never turned heel and people were tired of it for that like they felt he was overexposed he got too many opportunities blah blah blah. people would boo john cena of course now since he's like stepped away has come back he gets cheers all the time but 
Yeah, of course. Before that, everybody's going to cheer John Cena nowadays. He was getting booed. Like they would literally say John Cena sucks to the melody of his theme song. Um, So like, that's just a thing. Sometimes people will turn on the baby heel. They like the more edgy anti anti-establishment type of characters, the anti-hero, right? And so this year, coming into the Royal Rumble, right? Cody wants to win again so that he can challenge Roman Reigns. But who's his biggest competitor? Someone who also has a story tied to WrestleMania that winning the Royal Rumble would help him achieve? CM Punk. You know him? I've heard of CM Punk. So he is like the definition of that like anti-establishment sort of edgy anti-hero guy that people love. Yeah. He also had an organic, uh, are you looking up his, uh, I'm looking him up. I think I've seen this guy before. Yeah. So yeah, just look at the pictures though. So he, uh, he like over 10 years ago, now like around 2010, 2011, he was getting extremely popular. The WWE universe. People were loving him. However, he's not like the traditional Vince guy. Like he loves his big jacked, like on steroids, type of guy CM Punk didn't look like that but people loved him because he was as he says the best on the mic in the ring even at commentary like they loved him for all of that but they weren't giving him the big push and he felt very disgruntled because in 2011 leading up to the uh the WrestleMania for that following year so it'd be the 2012 year he wasn't going to be in the main event already he knew that even though he was the fan favorite. He was the biggest guy in the company at that time. He wasn't going to be because it was already decided from the night after the previous WrestleMania where The Rock came in and cost John Cena his world championship match. So then the next day, John Cena's like, yeah, we're going to settle this at the next WrestleMania. So it was already decided that the main event was going to be John Cena and The Rock like a year in advance, basically. And so CM Punk, despite like being on the shows all the time and wanting to get the championship, he's like, I already know I won't be the champion or I won't be in the main event, which is crazy. But the following year, right, skip ahead, CM Punk is now into a year and a half reign as champion. So you would think he's a shoo-in, right, to headline WrestleMania, be the main event. Yeah. What do you think happened? He lost? No, he didn't lose. He didn't even go to the main event of WrestleMania because on the road to it at the Royal Rumble for that year, he lost mm. to the rock so that they could set up a rock versus John Cena rematch oh. with the title, with the like WWE championship at stake. So not only was he not in the main event again, he had to lose the championship that he held for so long to the rock to set up the rematch for them to have the main event. And so yet again, he wasn't able to get the main event. Mm. So that's why. Okay. So this is, there's a whole lot of stuff, but a year after that, basically, he gets fired on his wedding day. So he's gone. Huge God, falling damn. out of WWE. He's pissed, hates it, leaves wrestling for like seven years, basically, until he returns at where? AEW, the home oh. of the more, you know, edgier, anti attachment type of wrestlers and with a crowd that hates the PG WWE product. So it was a perfect fit for CM Punk. But he's a bit of a loose cannon. He has his team. And so there's a lot of like behind the scenes issues and scuffles. And let's just say right before he went out to wrestle a match, he got into an actual fistfight with another wrestler 
who by the way is the son like Jack Perry, the son of Luke mm-hmm. Perry, uh, which is oh, a crazy wow. connection. Um, and so he got fired for that. So now it's like, okay, he's done. He's out of the business. Ain't no way he's going to come back to WWE after the bad blood there. But then especially after getting fired from AEW of all places. But then what yeah. happened? He returns to WWE. It's crazy. It's insane. And now here he is having a story with Cody Rhodes, two of them both wanting to win the Rumble so they can finish their respective stories. For CM Punk, mm-hmm. it's main eventing WrestleMania. For Cody, it's getting a rematch against Roman so he can win the WWE Championship for his dad. So there okay. we go. Those are the stakes going into the Rumble, which I win too. Tropicana Field, St. Petersburg, you know, in Tampa Bay. You were very excited for the second time. I was able to go. Yes, I was very excited. Who did you very- want to win going into it? So that was like, we were having discussions of like, who would they do? What would be the the win? I thought that they were going to have CM Punk win. Cause I, because the the thing they've been talking about all this time is like the adversity, right? They want to give Cody all these obstacles so that it'll feel even better when he does finish his story. So I'm like, it makes sense since he won Rumble last year. He wouldn't win this year and would have to claw his way to it another way, which would be the Elimination Chamber. If you win that, you can also get like a title shot basically so i thought it wouldn't be him and it would be cm punk so that he could like have his guaranteed main event um and i was thinking i was like oh just because they're both beloved right everyone loves cody Rhodes, everyone loves cm punk and i was like i don't know that they're gonna want either one of them to get thrown out of the ring and then have the cheers for that happening like if cm punk throws cody out of the ring and people are like cheering that cody just lost i'm like i don't know that they would want to do that so i thought Cody was going to get eliminated a little bit earlier, but that didn't happen. It came down to the final two with CM Punk and Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes won. He won All right. Rumbles. Again, The this hasn't happened for like two decades. Mm. Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Two of the biggest wrestlers ever. They won back to back in the 90s. And then the other wrestler who did in the 90s is Shawn Michaels, who was like widely considered the greatest wrestler. So those that's like the company he's with. He's on the Mount Rushmore of back-to-back Rumble winners with them. And it yeah. makes sense. It's WrestleMania 40. So that's like the, the big anniversary. And WrestleMania 10, 20, and 30, they all had these like big wins for the baby faces. Like people either getting championships for the first time or getting a championship and being like the new face of the company. Like it was Bret Hart in 10, in 20, mm-hmm. it was Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, which was kind of cursed. Because within a few years, they both are dead. But uh, that night was a great triumph for both of them, and everyone loved it. Um, and then WrestleMania 30, it was Daniel Bryan, who was also like a really organic fan favorite. Like WWE wasn't pushing this guy because, again, he was like, he's very short. He looks like a goat. Please look up Daniel Bryan. <laughs> That's going to be very hard to look up. Is it like, Daniel Bryan? That looks like a goat. Yeah, Daniel Bryan. And so, yeah, he does kind of look like a goat and he is pretty short. You're right. Again, not who Vince thinks is a champion. So they weren't going to push him at all, but the fans loved him. And so they, they had to essentially allow for him to, do like, you know, meteoric rise. do you know what Daniel Bryan's real name is? Yeah, Brian Danielson. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Why the dub, fuck? Bro. He literally he said, let me invert them. It's That's so the funny. dumbest thing in the world. Oh my god. He's going by that name because now he's in AEW and Daniel Mm. Bryan is copyrighted by WWE. So he has to go by his real name now. Um so anyway, so 
Yeah. It's really so funny they, that his his fake name was copyrighted and his real name is just the fake name backwards. So he's Brian Danielson, which sounds more like the fake name than Daniel Bryan. It's so true. It sounds like it sounds like his real name was Daniel Bryan and they trademarked his real name and he was like, I guess I gotta come up with a name. Uh I guess I could just be Brian Danielson. I think that would work. That's crazy. So yeah. So anyway, so then he was able to win as well. So we've had the precedent of you know, on the 10th anniversary, they're going to have a big baby face win. So it makes sense that Cody Rhodes, after all that adversity, losing the first time, coming back, having to deal with things like that pec injury and wrestling through that, still being a beloved baby face by the crowd. No one's turned on him yet. And then he wins back-to-back Royal Rumbles. He's going to go to WrestleMania 40 and get the big win and dethrone Roman Reigns after three and a half years of him being a champion. It just makes sense. It was the perfect thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then here's what WWE decides to do, which makes yeah. me so angry and sad. Drop the hammer. Just drop the hammer. On set on the following Monday, well, because here's was crazy. CM Punk got injured in that match in the Royal Rumble match. He uh, he tore his tricep, and so he's he's out basically. He's not going to be able to go to WrestleMania. So his dream is dead. He won't be able to face. Seth Rollins, remember him? That was the guy that yep. Cody fought um, when he returned with the bruise, in the Hell yeah. and Cell with the Bruise. Yeah. So Seth Rollins is currently the champion of the World Heavyweight Championship, which is separate from the WWE Championship. And so CM Punk wanted to fight Seth if he won the Rumble, but he didn't win the Rumble and now he's injured. So he's not going to fight him. And so Seth is like, oh, the, I want the challenger to be Cody, which makes no sense because the title that cody wants explicitly is the wwe one that his father never never was able to win um and then he's also already beaten seth three times so it makes no sense that they would be doing that but we're like okay we'll see what happens here he's gonna go to friday night smackdown where roman reigns is at that's like his show and then talk with him there and then he'll choose the winner because you get to choose like which champion you want to go after so then he goes to meet with roman on friday this past friday and he tells him, that is the championship I want. Like, I do want that. I want to take this from you specifically. I want to take everything from you. But not at WrestleMania. Huh? huh? Why would that not Where be the case? One back-to-back Royal Rumbles. He's the guy that beats you. He cheated you out of it. Why wouldn't you want to face Roman Reigns again at the WrestleMania that you earned for a title shot to get the belt that you want to finish the story? What the heck? And then what happens? He says... I've been talking with some people, getting some counsel, and one of them knows you really well. And then, if you smell, The Rock comes out. His cousin, Roman Reigns' cousin, comes out. Everyone's going wild, blah, blah, blah. Then he makes his way to the ring, like does this little shake with uh, Cody, and then Cody leaves. And he looks so sad leaving the ring. And then we get the stare down between Roman Reigns and The Rock. And here's the thing. This would be a great match. Like, it's one people I've been talking about forever. But this is the one time where it is wrong to try and make this match happen. Because this is the perfect time for Cody to get the win. And then The Rock is shoehorning himself into it. Which is also made worse by the fact that he's now on the board for TKO, the company that, like, owns WWE and UFC, like, the merger that they had. Yeah. He's now a board member. So he is able to call all these shots basically. And so it seems like he's putting himself in to have 
one of the biggest WrestleMania matches ever at WrestleMania 40, again, one of the big anniversary ones, with his cousin at the expense of Cody Rhodes' story, where now we have to believe that he's just willingly giving up his title shot against Roman Reigns that he got after winning the Rumble to let The Rock do it? Like, what? That makes no sense. Here's the other thing that makes me so angry about them. If they were going to do this, if they are going to go the route of The Rock challenging Roman Reigns for the title at this WrestleMania, why didn't they just have him in the Rumble? That means I didn't get to see The Rock, number one, because he wasn't at the Royal Rumble. So I didn't see him at all. And then after mm-hmm. Cody wins, and I'm all hyped up about him getting to finish his story, they have The Rock come in out of nowhere to take it away from him. It's terrible. It's awful. Can't believe it. So here's, when is when is WrestleMania? When is that going to take place? And where is it? It's in Philly. Damn, that's too far. Yeah. I will watch it with you though, live. <laughs> I will watch it on TV with you because you're getting me interested. You're telling Dude, me all the I'm lore to, right now. But so here's here's the thing, because I think we'll see, we'll see. Right now, Monday Night Raw is happening, and so the fallout of this is taking place. So I can't wait till once we get off here to go look at it. But people are not happy reasonably so yeah. about Cody Rhodes getting taken out of the limelight basically when he earned this he got it through the rumble it makes the most sense for his story he can't have another year of Roman Reigns winning by cheating basically all the time he's also like a part-time champion he's not even there like every week mm-hmm. and you can't have Cody realistically be like the top babyface if he gives away his chance to have that rematch and get the title that he's been saying he wants for two years that he's been back in WWE it makes no sense so we have a few options where it can all work out and I'll be happy. And that's if mm-hmm. one, The Rock actually does a heel turn and joins the bloodline for a little bit, but then does a reverse and be helps out Cody at WrestleMania to like stop all the bloodline shenanigans and allow for a clean match between Cody and Roman. Or they make it a triple threat between Roman, uh, Cody, and The Rock. If Cody like wises up and is like, oh, I can't actually give away my chance. I got to go and do this. If like CM Punk gives him a pep talk, basically of like, why are you giving up your story? I'm literally injured. I can't do it. You have to do it for me. That's what's also crazy is The Rock did this before to CM Punk. Like CM Punk wasn't able to get into any main event of WrestleMania because The Rock came back to fight John Cena and push him out of the way. And CM Punk had this big, they call it the pipe bomb, like a promo where he... It was planned because it was part of the like story they were going for, but it felt like real and from the heart because he was able to insult WWE in a big way and insult, you know, like John Cena. He was like directly addressing him, but insulting the uh, the management, how everything went. And the big thing that he said was like the fact that Dwayne is in the main event of WrestleMania next year and I'm not makes me sick. And then part of what he did to Cody Rhodes in one of their promos, he told him, he's like, here's how it's going to go. You work real hard for two years. You carry the company on your back. You get your face on the cover of the new 2K video game, which actually happened a few weeks ago. They revealed Cody is on the cover, which again, is like the big like sign of we believe in you. You're literally the face of the company for like this year on the video game until a bigger superstar comes in and takes it away from you. And obviously CM Punk was talking about himself because that happened to him, but it was the rock that did him. And I was the rock doing it to Cody Rhodes as well. Can you believe that? Insane. Yeah. So hopefully Crazy. they find a way to make it work and allow Cody to finish his story at WrestleMania 40. But I don't know if it's going to happen. They might course correct, though, because I think the plan was definitely, oh, yeah, it'll be Roman and The Rock and everyone's going to love it. But people want 
Cody. Like there's been a big backlash. That's why I'm hoping in Monday Night Raw tonight they uh they boo the rock. I don't think he's gonna come out, but they boo the idea of like the rock doing that and they cheer that they want Cody and hopefully be at a course correct where the rock can be a part of it. I think it'd be cool if he like stops the interference from the bloodline or if he's a special referee or a triple threat. Like sure, go for it. But they should have just waited and had the rock versus Roman for uh because they you know they're all part of a family and so the bloodline who's at the head of the table as they call it they could have just had a match about that of like who's the big dog basically in the Samoan family that they have um mm-hmm. and that's like real stakes like they're real family it would make sense but I don't know why they're trying to shoehorn it into this title match where it doesn't need to happen where the rock is a part-timer he's 50 years old like he's not going to be as good as he once was um even 11 years ago, whenever he fought John Cena, like he was noticeably slower and all that because he wasn't doing it all the time. So I know how 10 years on they're going to think it'll be any better. So that's my rant. The Royal Rumble rant. Cody Rhodes won as he should have, and he should finish his story at WrestleMania, but they might not let him because The Rock's ego is bigger than his freaking shoulders at this point, and those are massive. So... I just can't believe it. Uh, but how? But the emotional roller coaster you would be on if at the last second you're at WrestleMania and The Rock goes, "No, I'm not gonna fight you." And then the music comes on, Cody Rhodes comes out, and it's a one view. The, the emotional roller coaster you'd be on if that happened, you'd be riding such a high off that. Well, for sure. But they're definitely if they have The Rock on all the posters for that long, they'd they need to have him wrestle. But. That's what I'm hoping right now is what they're doing is they're like planning it out because Thursday is the press conference for like the WrestleMania thing. So I'm hoping something goes down there where it's all a work. They reverse it. They reveal that it is going to be Cody and Roman. Um, But I'm fine if like it was all planned out, but I don't think it is. I don't think they planned for people to be this much behind Cody and this much against The Rock. Like to have people truly despising The Rock's return, which is... Mm. Like any other time it would have worked out. This is the one time like having Cody win back to back. Like that's huge. Yeah. And then just having him give it up, like not even like fake an injury or anything. Like he just willingly gave it up and handed it away to somebody else. Like that makes no sense. So I'm hoping yeah. this is all a ruse and they reveal it because that would be great. But uh, yeah, that's my rant of the Royal. Yeah, wow. Do you, uh, do you remember when this was a movie podcast? God, I, do. I don't remember. I don't remember that at all. I will say so the Royal Rumble, ago. you know, feature length. And The Rock, huge uh, Hollywood star. So we got to talk about that. This was all a new segment, actually, to report on what The Rock is doing at the moment. I'm proud to say that your rant was exactly 40 minutes long to the second. Isn't that incredible? You yeah. went on a 40-minute rant about the Royal Rumble Yes, sir. And Cody About Rhodes. as long as Cody Rhodes lasted in the Royal Rumble. He was in the number 15 spot this time. He was there for 40 minutes? That's how long I don't know what the exactly thing was, but... How yeah. long does the Royal Rumble last? I mean, it's 30 guys, sure, but how it's long is that? an hour. God! Hour 10, hour so so if, if you're the first name picked out in order to win, you have to be in there wrestling for an hour straight? Mm-hmm. Has that ever happened? Has the number one pick ever won? It has. That's crazy. You know to who be 30 at one guys. time held the record for the longest amount of time in the Royal Rumble? Who? My boy, Rey Mysterio. Hell yeah. How long was it? He was in there for over an hour. It was like an hour <sighs> and six minutes or something like that. Damn. Did he win? 
He did. That was the one he won. Which was and was awesome. he the first one in? He didn't let him main event, which is so stupid. But yeah, that's awesome. crazy. Rey Mysterio is a true legend because an hour straight of wrestling is insane. Third, 29 other guys that are as big as you, if not bigger, that's insane. I mean, certainly bigger than Rey Mysterio. So yeah, yeah, wild. So what what were your thoughts on the on this rant? Were you able to keep track of what was happening? I knew that there was a lot of lore with the WWE and I, I understand your fascination with it is is for the sake of uh it is a live event with real people who are playing characterized versions of themselves that are competing in an event that is both exciting and exhilarating but yet planned and choreographed to a way that is designed to make you care and how you are appealed to that mm-hmm. and I understand why you're appealed to that and now I'm appealed to that oh snap you're convincing me oh, here. I mean, you're giving me the lowdown. I've just, I've never heard anybody be so passionate about one thing and know so much, like off the top of your head. This was not like a, a rant you had written down that you're reading off. This was a rant that you knew by heart because you are aware of all of this background so effortlessly. I, I just, it, it, it sounds like something I'll be ranting about, about like, characters in a very big fantasy novel or something like some of we like all these people you're naming is insane and their it background is, I mean, and the matches decades of lore literally so yeah 40 years of the wwe i mean i mean it's insane how much you know about all of this and i was thinking about this carlos is doing a thing where the next thing for our our hobby club is we're just doing presentations like powerpoint presentation or something you're really fascinated in and interested in and I just don't know what I'm going to talk about. Like, I don't know the thing that I know more than anyone else that I would want to sit down and give like a PowerPoint presentation on that I could pop off about. But for you, it would be wrestling <laughs> that you could you yes, single <laughs> like wrestling alone. You could probably talk for five hours straight, let alone the 40 minutes you spoke about this one character's story arc throughout the WWE. Imagine it's just everything. Imagine if I gave you an hour on Rey Mysterio. Oh boy, dude! And we would spend a lot of time on the Royal Rumble and that whole yeah. like road to WrestleMania there, which is great. That's and he's still re- that's what makes me so sad though is because he was out on injury, and so again Royal Rumble is the big place where you have returns. And so I was hoping that he was going to return at the Royal Rumble and I would get to see him yet again, but it didn't happen. I was so sad. Sorry, man. I've been able to see him in live live before, but actually I think it's it was in Dallas. So anytime that it's in Florida and we try and make the trip over to like Tampa or anything, he's just not there. Like I've never been able to actually see him in uh, in Florida, which sucks. Damn, bro. That sucks. But that is, you know so much. How, how long have you been watching wrestling for? I mean, I've been into it as a, like a very young age because we have video games to this day that are from like, uh, 2005, like SmackDown versus Raw, 2006, yeah. which came out in 05. Um, and so I was watching it all the way back then. Obviously, there was a period of time where I fell off of it. But then recently, uh, since around the pandemic, and again, I, I don't watch, I don't have the time to watch the uh, three-hour shows that they have now on Monday and Friday. But obviously, when it gets to like around WrestleMania time, I always tune in a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been, I mean, I don't know, I do the math for that. Since 05, 06, I don't know when exactly it started. Um, but then that carried through until like 2011-ish. Um, 
and then yeah, it was gone for most of that decade and then came back around the pandemic time. Is there nothing that makes you feel a little lackluster about it, seeing as how it's planned? Like, does that not take away from the heart of it? I mean, no, I mean, of course, we go to see movies and movies are all planned, of course, and that affects us. But for the sake of like, like if I'm watching a professional football player or a baseball player or something, and I really care about them and I really like their story, and then they win because they are just legitimately good and it's not planned, that feeling is great. It's great. Mm-hmm. You don't feel that way? No, Dude, no, when, no, the, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, bro, <laughs> crazy. You're an Eagles guy. Go birds! Wow, that's crazy. Um, the it's athletic performance theater, you know. So yes, correct. That is you're correct, able yeah. to invest in it. Um, and something that actually Iron Claw said, which is a pretty great way to look at it, is like the championship belt is like the greatest promotion you can get. Basically, like everyone, you work in your company, and then you get a promotion as a sign of how hard you're working and how good you're doing people that end up with the world title, right. And the WWE belt, like that is saying something. It is them being awarded essentially this prize for being such a fan favorite and such a hard worker. That's people fair. Love yeah. them and want to see them as champion. And then you're trusting essentially like the company with them. I mean, it's more the case way back in the day when literally they would like tour around all these different promotions with the championship belt. Um, and it was like, literally just one guy and it was like the main thing um now obviously it's like we is the big one and then maybe aw and then they have their own like separate belts in there but either way it's still the thing of like we believe in you the fans love you they want to see you they come to see you they'll tune in to see you um and so when you have someone like cody like the reaction that we had there and everyone's having there isn't just because like we're invested in like the story of cody Rhodes the character but like cody Rhodes the guy like who like that's real life they're drawing on of his dad was never able to get that title. He had to go through this crazy journey of literally leaving the company and creating a rival promotion and then leaving that company to come back and then trying to claw his way to the top and get the championship that he's never had before, no one in his family has had before. Like, that's real. And so that's the elements of reality that bleeds into the, like, predetermined matches. Like, that all hits. Like, it's it does have emotional weight to it. So... I'm hoping that we'll be able to get a lovely payoff of uh, of Cody getting the win come WrestleMania 40. But either way, it'll be real reactions of anger or relief, depending on which way that goes. Um, but yeah. Cody Rhodes could be the next big... What was the last big name from WWE that's like a household name, do you think? Uh, I don't know. I feel like Roman is maybe there. He's definitely getting a lot of exposure um just because wise, i think a lot of people would recognize been... the way roman reigns looks i don't know if yeah i don't know if people if i said like if i said roman reigns in a room of 100 people not nearly the same amount of people would recognize it as like the rock or john cena or stone cold steve yeah, austin the star power not. is not not nearly there yeah so it's tough i'm not sure i mean roman would definitely be like that guy but he's definitely not like the one in the same way that cena and stone cold and the rock and all them were it would be um, cool to get another big superstar name. And I mean, of course. Cody could be him, though. Because, again, he's yeah. like, and he, he's been a babyface all this time. And him getting that would be like the great like underdog story. Like the amount of press he'd be able to do afterwards. Um, he's got a very recognizable look and all of that. So I think it, it could be him. Um, he definitely deserves it, though. 
like regardless of whether he becomes the guy in like the next phase of wrestling, he should definitely be champion for like the next year. Like he gets it at WrestleMania and then he holds on to it for a bit. Um, Obviously, yeah. like John Cena and The Rock are more and more famous every day because of their acting careers. Yeah, do you Hollywood think stars. that? Do you think if they weren't Hollywood stars, they would be as like household recognized as that? Because I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan. Anyone recognizes those names in the same way that you recognize The Rock and stuff. And they are not nearly as star heavy in terms of Hollywood as The Rock and John Cena. Yeah. Not even close. Hogan tried to be. Just didn't work out for him. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, on the press stuff. Stone Cold's the only one that really didn't like care much for going into Hollywood. Um, but yeah, no, they both. He's I Stone think, Cold. Mary Drew. Sorry. You piece of trash. Dude, you should listen to some <laughs> of his like promos. He's so fun. He's awesome. And I got to see him live, wrestling live in uh, in Dallas, dude. That was that's cool, awesome. He's amazing. So yeah, I think they definitely would, because also like the meme culture as well. Like Cena, everyone kind of knows the "You Can't See Me" or his theme song, probably that. Yeah, so that's what works. I don't really know like the sort of meme presence that uh, Roman Reigns has had or anything like that. That honestly probably would drive the mainstream stuff more. There's um, one like I think I recognize him from a meme. I just- the thing is, I can't recall what it is. Like, it, it doesn't stand out enough. Gotcha. Someone has made a joke about him online that I've seen. But, all right. That was our behemoth January, jaded January grab bag. Are you glad you got to get that off your chest? You glad that there's now I mean, a I mean, I've had rant about like Cody I can't Rams. say I haven't had outlets because I've been in two, <laughs> two of the group chats that are related to... Well, one is just, you know, my firehouse friends uh, yes. that I went to Dallas and before that the uh tampa one but mm-hmm. so we've been talking about it um <laughs> and then so i think the when i saw the rock when i saw that happen i like watched the clip and then immediately typed in there i was like kicking screaming and crying right now it should have been us we should have seen the rock at Tam or yeah at royal rumble because like why would you come back the week after you could just had a big return at rumble so we didn't get to see him but then he's also stealing it from cody so we've been like talking about all that um and then the other chat i've had so I've been able to rant about it, but obviously, as we said, like Dumpuary, it was a little light on things, this uh, this grab bag. So I was like, let me just come in here and just speak my piece on the Rumble. Because I think at uh, after the first WrestleMania I went to, we talked a little bit about it on the show as well. So actually, yeah, we definitely mentioned Ro- uh, Roman Reigns at that point because he won. Probably. It was a great match. So that was definitely when you heard about Roman Reigns. Probably. Um, but yeah, quite a quite a thing. You should definitely keep in <laughs> the three times we tried to start the show before we actually started the show. You think so? I think it it's needed to set the tone for the uh, this episode. <laughs> we were all <laughs> over the place. It was insane. I think it, I think it needs it. It's a dumpy kind of episode, you know. Not much to talk about. We're just kind of going out of our minds here with not much to do. That's what I'm saying. So the weather's just, colder, the days I are shorter. Hijacked the show to talk about <laughs> my beef with the Rock at the moment. So, yes, yeah. the audience can't tell, but there's actually a gun to my head right now. <laughs> I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> Crazy. There we go. I'm glad you had your moment, Ryan. I'm glad you popped off. Thank you. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone is... Cold said so. <laughs> He's so fun. You got to listen to some of those things. It's just fun, too. Like the whole chanting thing, like being part of the group atmosphere. Like in the live arenas, like it's great. I'm glad. Anyway, I'm glad you guys 
all listened and made it to this hour and 47 minute mark since apparently I'm not cutting anything out. I'm <laughs> yeah. glad you all enjoyed this sort of ramble rumble of words here for dumpuary. <laughs> we were certainly laugh. rambling. We were trying on. to like reclaim what, what it was. The Royal rumble ramble rant. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> that is all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show, you can email us at the box office show pod at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. You're also more than welcome to email us any thoughts you have on the Royal Rumble or Cody Rhodes, and I will share the emails with Ryan, and he will respond back toot sweet about anything, any questions you have. He would love to talk to you, whoever you are, about the WWE. So please email us at theboxofficeshowpod at gmail.com to get, to get a direct line to Ryan Hill about the WWE and any wrestling questions you have on this movie podcast. If you like the show, please give us five stars about our podcast that you're listening to and be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of